cut but morally corrupt it is the forwards backwards podcast not from the corner of glenway and monroe and not from the give me some truth studio this week we discuss being streets ahead despite no goals global football chaos and how we should think about usl and what beer we'll be drinking may 1st at Bree stevens field as we're back to breeze as always i'm joined by the reverend rund and daryl mack to my jam master jay kyle carr the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting and Dan Fallon, who is not given all that has happened this weekend. My question seems downright quaint, but in Friday's two, two draw that saw each team surrender a league, uh, surrender a lead existentially speaking were Spurs ever Tony or were Everton Spursy. <laughs> Oof. So just to give you some context, by the way, you know, there's the, the global chaos, Jose Mourinho, who was at the fore uh, of, of the, the decided Spurs team uh, that day uh, is no longer their manager. And they didn't, they didn't just get rid of Jose. They got rid of the whole staff. They, there was a, a real bloodletting in North <laughs> London. So existentially speaking, where are we going here? Here's what I'll say. Spurs may end up benefiting from going Spursy because they got rid of Jose and all and all of his staff. You get rid of that. It's still going to linger. It's still there. Everton not only have had multiple chances to get into this top four rates and be in the top four, but they continuously drop points and they continuously lose leads and they continuously shit the bed whenever they have a chance. So I would say Everton was more Spursy because you had you had multiple opportunities and you followed short each and every time and now you're probably not going to finish top four or i guess they will if they get if teams get kicked out i don't know how that all will work but yeah we're <laughs> yeah, probably well, we maybe finishing the premier league season with what uh 14 teams Who knows? well i think it showed that even if you take out the six teams everton still finishes fifth <laughs> West Ham wins the title. Leicester's second. To not to not slide. <laughs> Leeds is third, and I think Aston Villa finished ahead of Everton. That's I'm gonna. I'll agree with Kyle's uh, analysis, but we'll say that clearly the most Spursy thing that happened last week was them getting trolled by their own sponsor <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, I don't. Every time you think Spurs have hit like the Spursiest moment something else happens that you it's it's really hard to comprehend like how insane it must be to be that at that club and wake up in the morning and be like why is our twitter account blowing up it's like oh because our new official paint sponsor trolled us last night and, okay. and how did they the so apparently the official's paint sponsor company i can't recall the name of um, also, uh, do, do I'm really looking do, forward to all of us decrying commercialism and sport after talking about Tottenham Hotspur's official paint sponsor. But apparently this company has a dog mascot that's famous in the world of official paint sponsor universe. And uh, somebody posted something about, you know, maybe the next Tottenham ma- manager and the paint company came back with can't do much worse, which man, you know, really, and, and let's be honest, who got trolled there? I think Jose did. Jose got trolled 
Um, I'm still going with Spurs overall because everyone told you for the moment you hired him, this is not going to end well. This is not going to go well. And they still decided, fuck it, let's go. Here's the great thing. Everybody said this is not going to end well. It didn't even start well. (laughs) (laughs) Like normally you bring in Mourinho, you get that like, you get that false high, right? Mourinho is a little bit like doing drugs. Uh, and we're, we're, I was thinking about this because, uh, you know, they were talking about like the grateful, uh, on a podcast, I listened to the grateful dad's relationship with cocaine, like 76, 77, and then you get into 78. Right. And like, you know, when you start off with drugs, like it, it's a pretty steep path, you know, those first three or four beers are fantastic. And then five, six, seven, you know, you're coming down and then you're hung over, you know, and, and it's a mess. And that's like, that's hiring Mourinho. Like you're hoping at least, but with, with this spell at Hotspur, they just started on the hangover. I mean, and, and the classic is they didn't even give him the chance to win the shitty cup this weekend. <laughs> the company cup of him. all cups. Um, also staying in the realm of uh, illicit drug use. Um, I learned about a new day today. Apparently this is a very big week for drug use, uh, you know, tomorrow being 420, which I think most people know what day that is. Today is, uh, is by the bicycle way, producer day. Paisley, very excited by talk of 420. <laughs> <laughs> today, today is bicycle day. Uh, it commemorates the day that the gentleman from Switzerland who invented LSD uh, took an, uh, a lot more than he had ever taken before uh, and realized he could not drive home uh, due to his uh, heightened state of, creative awareness and he rode his bike home. So uh, apparently there are a lot of people today. uh, So if you see people wandering around the streets, hugging trees and looking up at the sky, just realize they're celebrating bicycle day. Okay. Um, For those of you scoring at home, none of us are high on LSD. Uh, Kyle, however, is high on his second micro microchip. So I am, I got the 5g in me. I'm a Moderna gang. It's going to be great. We'll see how I'm, I'm racing against the clock between can I get this pod done before my body completely crashes for the day? (laughs) We don't know what's going to happen, but the microchip is in and in two weeks, I will be fully vaxxed and ready to call people bitch ass cowards to their face. Uh, What I'm looking forward to is like the, the second half of this pod, Kyle won't be on it because he's just face down in front of his microphone because the, the, the vaccine has taken it out of him. I'm getting my second dose tomorrow, going down to scenic West Alice, Wisconsin, uh, technically Milwaukee across the street from, uh, St. Gregory, the great, I go to the Walgreens there and people are like, you can probably reschedule it and get it, you know, closer to home. But last time was just such a great West Alex, West Alice experience that like, I'm just going back for, for some stories. Like, I'm shocked I didn't catch something in the West Alice Walgreens. Um, you know, there was you the woman in front of you me checking out with three different kinds of, of Mountain Dew in her cart. I mean, it was just it was just fantastic. You know, and I don't think I'm breaking any HIPAA rules here in that I, I went to Janesville and uh, walked in actually with a with a woman wearing a Forward Madison hoodie. I did not recognize her. Um, she looked like she had had a big Friday night. I'm just going to say that she was looking a little rough around the edges and she ended up on the gurney <laughs> over in the side of the room. I don't think she had like anaphylactic shock cause they weren't, uh, you know, like putting the, uh, 
Pulp Fiction style uh, right. uh, EpiPen in her. <laughs> I think she must have just kind of gotten nervous about the shot or whatever. But there you go. A little forward Madison action when I was getting my my first shot, which I will be getting my second one this Saturday down in beautiful Janesville, Wisconsin, where I'm sure the demand for for shots is not as high as it is in Dane County. <laughs> Uh, but by the way, Kyle, you know, relaxing here or, or falling asleep at the mic is also well-earned because Kyle had a, a tremendous week last week, Dan, uh, very busy. Unlike you, uh, he made his debut as a forward Madison model, um, and also started a new podcast. So, uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit about the, the new podcast that you're, that you're hosting. Yeah, it is called Walkin' 90. It is hosted by myself and Yogi over in Richmond and Ebony over in North Carolina. We are going, we have a live show that we interact with people as much as possible. And then we take the audio and make it a podcast. So for those that miss it, at least they can get the audio side of it. And we just answer as many questions on USL League One. The first episode was a lot of bashing of Chattanooga and Revs 2. Um, had a lot of questions on who we thought was the most underrated player, player that we hate, um, dark horse for golden boot, stuff like that. So we try and have the episodes be every other week. So just follow us at walking 90 pod and yeah, we'll probably hopefully have an episode either this week or the following weeks. Now that games have starting USL league one, there was had me at hating Chattanooga. Oh yeah, that that I would say sixty percent of the pod was bashing Chattanooga. Thirty percent of the pod was laughing at Revs two, and ten percent of the pod was actual talk about other teams. And they were going to invite you and I to appear, uh, but then they realized neither one of us realized that North Carolina was in the league. <laughs> well, there's a whole Chattanooga legal. Yeah, I can't really. I can yeah. neither <laughs> confirm nor deny whether I would have been allowed to participate in that. In that any, segment. <laughs> any bashing. Uh, other thing, Kyle, uh, you participated in, in Dan, as you refer to it, uh, the, the modeling experiment. How did you refer to it as? Uh, well, it just looked like it had the chance to turn into a, uh, 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 this is, uh, this is a, a wet t-shirt contest. They were white shirts. It was pouring rain. I was a little concerned, uh, that my, 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 my good friends would, would be left, uh, with revealing, revealing jerseys, but it was, it was a, a great event. And, um, I mean, our, our fearless leader, Craig Carlson, Carlson Craigson reciting a poem. I mean, this guy talk about just being made for Madison. Uh, it was, it was delight, delightful. I believe it was, uh, uh, Wadsworth. Okay. Uh, because I tried to get a copy of the poem from, from Turbo. He let me down uh, because I thought, you know, it'd be good to, to share with our listeners who were not able to attend in person or who were like me, who were like, there's no way I'm freezing my ass off to sit and watch a fashion show. I'll freeze my ass off for a match. I'm not going to freeze my ass off in, in the freezing rain to, to see a jersey. Um, and then Dan told me he was going to be there. So I was counting on his live tweeting updates, but uh, you know, that, that wasn't so great. Uh, Kyle, you also had a very important experience in the world of forwards, bad backwards podcasting in that you've received your first reprimand from the legal stylist. Um, Yep. (laughs) uh, Wrote in and we, we, we have uh, details. Uh, So as part of your preview, you mentioned that Shaw university, uh, is, uh, which is located in Richmond, Virginia, uh, was, uh, the, the oldest of the historically black 
colleges and universities. Uh, in response, the legal stylist said, according to Wikipedia, uh, it's actually Clark University, Atlanta, that's the oldest. And then further digging reveals that, in fact, Cheney University in Pennsylvania is the oldest historically black college and university. Shaw claims on their website they are the oldest. Clark claims on their website that they're the oldest. But they're the oldest in the South, that Cheney is like the, the big time oldest, the, the oldest of the oldest. So uh, for those of you scoring at home, uh, Kyle has, has, mad, has about 16 pages of legal complaints to match up to Dan and I. So I have um, fully made it as a host on the pod. I've fully made it now. <laughs> well, you haven't fully made it until a city bans you. <laughs> we're getting there we're we'll probably get there soon enough i'm sure chattanooga <laughs> is gonna put me on that list not too long the thing so, about kyle though that was an unintentional mistake most of mine are <laughs> intentional mistakes for the sake of humor and making fun of keith um most of my mistakes are because you know facts are for losers <laughs> <laughs> there's also that yeah uh, so, <laughs> um, which is also the motto of an Omaha podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> oh, shots fired. Um, so <laughs> that's a funny story. Uh, we'll tell that one off air. Uh, so, uh, Craig Carlson, after the performance, uh, behind closed doors against the Indy 11, said they were streets ahead. They didn't score any goals. Uh, Dan, we, we are starting to see a little bit of the shape of the, the starting lineup. Um, and Kyle, you know, you watched the Chicago fire matchup, um, as well as I did, you know, one of the things, uh, that we'll mention is as well, we still haven't scored any goals. The other big problem that the team is facing is that there are some, uh, some of the foreign players have not yet returned. Um, we're still waiting on Josiah Trimmingham to, to make his return. Uh, Pato Diaz, uh, also make his return. Dan, Kyle, there were a couple other names that, that sort of popped up as well. Yeah, Aaron Malloy uh, also falls under that category, and Carlos Gomez are the two new signings. So they, unfortunately, have not been able to take part as well. So that leaves four guys that Carl would probably want, and I'm assuming at least three of them are likely going to be starters. So mm-hmm. kind of makes things a little difficult. But between COVID and international paperwork, as we learned last year with Mike Vang and the year before with Pato, it's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the funny things as well, as we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Another case where like we're somehow going to be reading, rooting for FIFA, which is just kind of the worst. Um, but, uh, the, the starting, you know, in the, the first match against, um, the fire, I think we saw much more split squad, uh, you know, Turbo and Gustavo, who I think we would argue uh, are probably our two, you know, best center backs in camp right now. Didn't start with what we'd identify as the two best outside backs in camp. They had a trialist at the right back position and a 19 year old uh, Atlanta United uh, Academy product. Uh, I'm blanking. Somebody help me that's playing at home. That's as far as I got. I uh, yeah. tell you. In, in any case, uh, and then in the, the second, I know, half, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so listeners at home, just fill it in. We uh, are also in preseason form. Um, waiting for this is mid-season form for us. I'm waiting Dan. for my internet connection to make its way from uh, overseas. <laughs> so I can look things up. Dan's got dial up. It's fine. 
Uh, but and then, but one of the things that I I thought was interesting, Kyle, uh, a couple of things. First of all, we we one of the questions we were interested in was, you know, is is Carl uh, Craig Carlson, Carl Craigson, uh, Craig Carl, um, going to lean towards a uh, two man base, and it looks like it's going to be one guy at the base of the midfield. Um, and two in front, which, you know, I'm guessing will be Malloy and Vang. But, um, uh, you know, and I was actually impressed in the first half, one of the trialists who, who made an appearance we couldn't, we can't give you updates, was uh, Ronaldo Lomelai, who I thought looked pretty good in that fire match. I don't know, Kyle, if you had any particular opinions there or, or thoughts. Yeah, it felt like the because Ford Madison wasn't on the ball as much, it was kind of trying to figure out what the formation was going to be when they don't have the ball. And it felt like it was either going to be like a five, three, two, or like a four, one, three, two. It definitely felt like there were going to be two up top with Keegan and Gebhardt doing it. But between Gebhardt and Lomelli, I was really impressed with what they did. They were kind of the two that stood out to me in the first half. Turbo was back to doing turbo things, clearing everything in sight. I did like how Brino um, was very aggressive as a keeper early on. I think that was something that Phil didn't do in the first couple matches, but Brino definitely looks to be comfortable doing it. Um, They actually played pretty well in the first half. I mean, they defended well. The goal that they allowed was early off of a set piece from which they cleared the first ball, but didn't handle the second one. But I, I was talking, I don't know who I was talking, maybe it was Chancellor Schmidt, but we were saying like the formation is definitely going to be fluid and it's definitely not just one set formation that they're going to play. It kind of seems like it's going to change throughout, but yeah. Well, Gebhardt, in, in, in relation to that, that, um, you know, fire match, uh, you know, you, you identified the formation and it almost looked like, yeah, the, like they were going to f- five in the back. Um, I thought, you know, we, and what it partially was and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, are we going to three in the back to, you know, protect the fact that Turbo is eligible for Social Security in, in a couple of years? And Turbo said, no, part of it was the right back was a trialist. Tactically, he wouldn't, he just would, would drift and he's not an outside back. And so it just didn't make sense. You know, it was just kind of filling him in. He was, you know, filling a function for the, the match for what, you know, uh, Carl Craigson, Craig Carlson, you know, wanted to do. And so he was just kind of dropping in, in and he was kind of shifting and that led to everything kind of shifting a little bit more. Um, and so it looked like there were five in the back. Um, I, I was interested too, to see that, yeah, defensively we may shift into, and I think the shape was a little clearer in the second half, basically two banks of four and then, you know, Gephardt and Keegan up top and either, you know, parallel or, you know, one behind the other. Um, looks like that might make sense as well. So I think, yeah, you'll see a fair amount of flexibility. Um, of course, I, I put forth the idea of three in the back to Neil, and he dismissed me and told me I was an idiot and said I should just shut up and stick to you know my knitting. I, I would like to just confirm that that like actually did happen. That's not <laughs> just Keith being... Uh, I was, I, it was also relayed to me that I got a text saying that we were playing three in the back and I told him he's an idiot. <laughs> Sorry to out you there, Neil. Um, yeah. I think also, you know, I think also, you know, we kind of touched upon it at the beginning of this section that with all the guys missing, there's probably, you know, it's a little hard to read into, you know, formation. I'm sure you're trying to like set the team up, how you want them set up, plug the players in that are there as trialists, but it's going to be a little challenging. I'm sure 
uh, until everyone's back. And it's, you know, it's getting a little tight now. I mean, we're talking three weeks uh, until an official match and these guys aren't even training yet with us. So hopefully they're staying fit and, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly they can get up to speed. You know, not only are they not training, it's a new, new manager and new system and all these things. So um, I think it could be a little bumpy to start the season. Um, But uh, I mean, I think some continuity with some of the players that are coming back certainly helps, but um, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't, and we're already three points out of first place. I mean, we've already got a, a mountain to climb, um, that also shows how good I am at this job that I was, I was, uh, uh, I was having a conversation with coach Neil and I said something about preseason. He said, well, some of the teams have already started playing regular matches. I said, no, they haven't. <laughs> I had absolutely no idea that USL league one kicked off last weekend. So this was the second weekend, right? This was the second matches. weekend. So first week was revs two. they beat. Fort Lauderdale. So right. as soon as I slandered the living hell out of Revs 2, we went on a gotten win on the road. So yeah. that was great. Last week, this last weekend, um, battered by, lost uh, to Fort Lauderdale. And then, yeah, Revs 2 got crushed by Richmond. Yeah. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, by the way, who may have the greatest team in the history of USL League One, because, or at least the most expensive uh, team in, in League One history, because uh, apparently... <laughs> Uh, David Beckham doesn't know the, the Beckham rule. Um, I don't know if you've, you've followed this Kyle Dan, uh, but uh, you know, essentially what happened uh, is last year uh, inter Miami signed a, a player and I, I'm, you know, trying to, to pull up uh, Blaze Matweedy, uh, Blaze Matweedy, Blaze Matweedy. But the guy that they, they also signed was Matias Pellegrini, right. For like 8 million. He was also a designated player. And I think they signed him for like 8 million bucks or something like that. I mean, it was, and so they, they had four designated players <laughs> essentially. Which you can't have, you can have three and they already had Pizarro and Igu- Gonzalo Iguain. Yeah. And so they played all year last year with the fourth guy, I guess, hoping nobody would notice also like (laughs) excellent administrative work MLS. Like maybe, maybe this is something you could have told us yesterday. Uh, And so they, they bought out Pellegrini's contract somehow and loaned him out to FC Fort Lauderdale, which is, you know, taking the, the, you know, North, North Texas move of, of, you know, sending your backup keeper, uh, down for the playoff matches to like the third degree, like to the third power. So really like that move from, from Fort Lauderdale. Speaking yeah. of Gonzalo Higuain, he's in uh, midseason form with his, uh, his physique. He's looking very <laughs> Gonzalo Higuain. If, if you know what I mean. He so slow. Good Lord. Like on the goal that they scored, he was like, I was, I was like, is he sprinting? Cause good. He is. I think I could beat him in a foot race and I'm not even exaggerating on <laughs> he, that. He kind of reminds me of uh, who, who's the, who's the, who's the kid playing for the Mavericks. Who's the ridiculous basketball player. Oh, came- Doncic. Yeah, it's like the guy, he's like, he just kind of looks like your accountant. And then he's like, how's this guy a professional athlete? Now, I mean, Iguain now has got like the big, the big, like uh, the big beard. But uh, yeah, I, I saw him re- yeah, breaking free on that, uh, on that fast. I'm also like, I guess the d- defense just said, we can just leave him because we can catch up to him if he right. gets the ball. 
It was yeah, very MLS. Higuain is, is doing this in Miami. It's not like he's up in Wisconsin where we're all carrying a few <laughs> extra pounds, you know, and like it just by, by kind of osmosis, you add a few extra pounds because everybody's taking you to eat cheese and beer. He's living in Miami. Everybody there is in shape. Like you'd think he'd, he'd lose 10 pounds just by like going to Miami and being like, well, I want to take my shirt off. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to, I'm not here to, you know, make comments on people's weight and all that stuff. It's just that nowadays, I mean, you just don't see, I mean, these guys are so fit. Like, you know, even 15 years ago in the Premier League, you had guys, you know, kind of who looked like they could play in your Sunday league, but it sticks out now. Like, so, Wayne Rooney looked like, you know, well, he, most of the time he looked like he had strolled in from the pub. Yeah. I mean, that's what he looked like. After bo- after boxing with uh with yeah. uh Phil Bardsley. <laughs> <laughs> he had punched out a Neville brother the night before and then came into the into the match. And now, yes, you know. So, uh, God bless him though. I mean, I think we need more. I think if MLS, you know, has a marketing angle, it's, you know, Sunday League you know, that's what you should go for. Like they can go from the, they can look like they can play in your Sunday league match, but not really. Uh, so uh, Kyle, anything else so far in the, in the preseason that, that you've, you've kind of seen? Um, I feel like they're going to try and go out and attack, which is good to see. I feel like the transition from once they recover the ball to attacking is going to be a lot quicker than it was last year. And I don't think they're going to do it by just launching the ball forward as well. I think they're going to try and do some short passing, maybe not passing out the back, but definitely like in the midfield, getting the taking it, turning and immediately looking up and trying to make something happen. I think with Mike Vang being fully integrated, because he didn't play in that preseason match. Yeah. He didn't play in that preseason match. Like we said, Aaron Malloy is not there yet, so I'm not sure by the time he gets there, Xavier Gomez, not Xavier Gomez, Carlos Gomez. Like Once they're all fit and back in, it should be a little bit more crisp, but Xavier Gomez was on trial, and for those that don't remember, he was at Lansing Ignite and then Omaha last year, and curious to see if he makes the roster. But yeah, it was... He definitely tough to tell because like I said, they didn't have much of the ball against Chicago, but I think once things get a little bit better, we'll see more attacking. And, and, you know, he's an interesting case and maybe a guy that, you know, Carl's more uh, holistic approach may help, Um, you know, Kyle's investment in psychology and, you know, kind of the whole person as he talked about on, on the podcast here um, after his, his initial uh, uh, signing. Um, maybe a good fit um, for those that that don't know kind of his history. You know, he was great with Lansing Ignite, the the guys that formerly – we don't think, uh, you know, Lansing uh, League One unfiltered is coming back. Maybe it is. Uh, Weston, you know, you're dead to me because you said you were going to come on the podcast and, and canceled. Um, but, um, you know, they really liked him, thought he was a really good player, thought he was going to do, do well in Omaha – he was involved and, and the details are kind of clear, but th- there was a shooting and he was nearby. And, and uh, um, you know, I think that undoubtedly had some psychological after effects. And then when he didn't hit the ground running, there was some negative feedback to put it politely from the supporters of, of the Omaha team who have always shown themselves to be level-headed, rational and uh, understanding. Um and, you know, so he may be a guy that if he's in the right supportive environment, maybe 
primed to to return to you know his form of, of two years ago. We hope, um, and so I'd be interested. Yeah, like you said, to see if he he joins up in the team, and you know, hopefully it's a good fit. I mean, he yeah, was an I, exciting I've, player. I've found that I've been a lot more successful in my career since Craig Carlson hypnotized us when he came on the pod back in uh, November. Uh, uh, all I know is I buy a lot more forward Madison gear than I ever <laughs> did before. Um, so maybe that's, that's what's transpired. I don't know. I will put one last thing. Um, there was a trialist that listed the last name Suko. I think he was at Voyagers, I believe two years ago. He looked really good. He might be someone that if he makes the roster, he could be another young player that does develop in the future, but that is a name to look for. And he, he looked good as well in the second half along with Giro and Eric. Yeah. The other, uh, you know, uh, trialist with, um, sort of, uh, pro experience is Audie Jepson, um, who has, um, you know, played in the, his first, uh, pro, professional contract with St. Louis FC in, in 2018. So maybe another guy that we may see, you know, pop up and, and, you know, come through, you know, a guy that maybe gets in the right environment and he, you know, with, with kind of championship experience, maybe, maybe moving forward. So, you know, hopefully uh, good things could happen out of him. So there's some exciting possibilities we'd like to see uh, for lack of a better term, the foreigners uh, back in, in camp as soon as possible. It'd really be helpful, um, you know, and uh, I'm sure, you know, uh, the hypnotist in, in chief uh, will, you know, make that happen as well. Uh, that also, Dan, relates to uh, the Voyagers, Kyle, that you brought up. Uh, the forward Madison signed a uh, development deal with the Green Bay Voyagers. And initially we thought this was like, Connor Kaloya on both sides of the table negotiating the development deal. But apparently uh, we, I think, I think this was mentioned and we just forgot it. Uh, They had sold part of the team to um, festival foods. And so this was basically reestablishing what had been a a relationship we kind of took for granted. Um, I, I thought it was like, you know, Connor was like 12 and a half. No, twelve point four. No, uh, but in fact, um, you know, I, I have this image of him on both sides of a Zoom call, like two computers going back and forth, um, which amuses. I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, Simpsons episode. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Lisa needs <laughs> braces. Dental plan. When Homer runs the union, it's a good one. Check but, it out if you uh, haven't seen it. You know, should classic should, classic Simpsons. Uh, just ignore all the people that are doing voices that shouldn't be doing the voices of the characters they're doing. Um, but, uh, I think a a good thing and, and actually kind of steps into, and this is something, you know, I, I think we all have our kind of opinions about the European super league. Nobody cares about our opinions about the European super league as an entity. Um, what I'm I'm kind of curious in you know should this affect should should we go running to forward Madison as a response to the the sheer greed and so on of you know European soccer teams will will this help you know lower division soccer and the rest of the world um, my feeling is uh, no it will not um, because if if people cared about morality and athletics. 
you know, we'd be watching a lot more D3 college basketball, for instance. Also, but, if we cared about morality and athletics, we probably would just be watching something like tennis or gymnastics. No, not gymnastics. Definitely not that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Maybe well, like a small country, like a foreign country, not even like China. I'm just talking like Malta, maybe Malta gymnastics I would give a shit about, but tennis, golf, very much might be the only two where even though it is very capitalist and money grabbing, at least you're getting the money. At least it's your, you're the one that's making the decision if you want to do this or not. You're not being forced by greedy owners who just want more money to go along with their high amounts of money and Tottenham Hotspur. Things I, I never would have thought happened uh, on this podcast or any podcast, quite frankly, us making the ethical case for golf, Dan Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> I was already feeling dirty before the podcast started. Now I'm feeling very dirty. Which, uh, you know, tune in next week for my one and a half hour long Masters recap special. <laughs> I mean... I'm almost more upset with myself about this super duper league uh, announcement because all it does is like it. uh, I lie to myself so much about a lot of things that I enjoy (laughs) and I just don't want anyone to say the quiet part out loud, like really loudly, you know, it's like, it's like what the Republicans are doing all over the country. It's like, did you just fucking say that? (laughs) Like you really just said that like in an official, like in a courtroom. Um, And I just, you know, like announcements like last night are just this massive slap in the face that right. Like this club that I love uh, is owned by a bunch of venture capitalists who all they really care about. And listen, I I don't, I think they do think what they're doing is the best thing for the club because what they think is the best thing for the club is maximizing revenue, making it the most profitable entity it can be because that means they can reinvest in the club, make the club better, all those things. And then at some point sell it and make money. Like I, I get all that, but I, I so I, and Keith, your question, I actually think in the long run, maybe this is good for lower division soccer. I mean, I, I didn't watch Liverpool today because I was like, why does it fucking matter? Um, if they're leaving this league, this is, this is a dead, this is a dead rubber match. Like like, winning doesn't matter if they had won, they would have been in fourth, but they drew and they're now in fifth. And, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because they're going to be in this competition. That's going to get them all the money that they would have gotten in the champions league anyway. So, and listen, I, you know, and I think I said to you guys on our text, like, you know, I, I still think they'll, there'll be a compromise of some sort. I think this, they'll kick the can down the road a little bit. I, I don't think this comes into effect in the next year or two. I, I that's my guess. Although everyone's come out of come out guns blazing on this, and it's going to be really hard to get a bunch of super rich, fucking powerful white guys to sit down in a room and swallow some of their pride. So I think UEFA is going to say, "Go ahead and do this." You're these players can't play in the Euros, and the players going to be like, "Wait, hold, no, fuck that!" And then they're going to drop, and that's immediately like people want to watch it because the best yeah. teams and the best players. But if you take out the best players who want to try and play for their national teams, you're going to end up with a lot of guys that, you know, you maybe you'll have like the Joel Matips who are still technically good, but they're not playing for their national team. But you're going to have everyone else. They're going to leave. I mean, I don't know, because I think there's part of it where people go, the players go, wait, wait, my national federation, which pays me nothing, I guess. 
and you know is probably a corrupt bunch of of you know losers um you know and, and this is a, you know they're they're like i can play for free for these idiots or i can you know maximize rev- my revenue it's going to be all over the map. I mean, listen, it's going to, everyone's going to, every player is going to feel differently about it. Just like all of us are going to feel differently about it. I know for me, if this goes forward as proposed, I'm not going to watch that. Like, I don't really find that very interesting. There's a a reason I don't watch American sports. There's a reason why even forward Madison being in USL league one kind of drives me nuts that it's a closed shop. Like the, the most appealing part of watching those matches is that every fucking match matters and it matters greatly, no matter if you're in the, so I, I just, I, and like, is it really all that exciting to see Liverpool play but, but, AC Milan? And that's where year? I was going to go. It's like what made those matches great is they're not something you see every time. Like yeah. these are like yeah. Liverpool, Real Madrid and Champions League recently. Those are two of the biggest teams in the world competing in this competition. That's something that, you know, it's the rarity. It's the, you're really only facing them when you get this far in the competition, when you get far in the competition and the stakes are much higher. Now you're getting rid of that. Now it's like, okay, this is just a regular Wednesday. Yeah. But you know, there, there are a couple of things that I'll, I'll, I'll say to this. First of all, you know, the non-competitiveness, the only league that's, legitimately competitive at this point is the premier league. I mean, you you look France right now is a whole thing. France, but first and fourth is separated by three points. (laughs) Yeah. But we're in the weird COVID universe. True. You you look back to 2010 or even 2001 in Italy, right? Who's won the title. You look back before this PSG, PSG, PSG wins the title going away. Right. Um, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, or Barcelona have won the titles every year since 2002. But that's not what's happening here. This isn't, this isn't a response to, no, it's a response to the fact that Barcelona and Real Madrid are broke as fuck. Well, that's That's why they're doing it. They're doing it because they are broke. Right. Like, but all the, English I see clubs, Keith, your point, Keith, your point is valid. I just think it's a separate point. That's a different conversation. That's about a different how do you problem. Make these leagues more competitive. Yeah. This is simply like, we want to make more money and we can't do it in this structure because we have to but, share it with all these other What people. happens if, you know, uh, also, I think this is the, the other point that I'll say, everybody <laughs> is looking at this in terms of the fans, Right. First of all, here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, you know, maybe 10%, 10% are, are going to be like you, Dan and yeah. Kyle, and, and take a real strong ethical. The rest of us are fat, lazy, and stupid. <laughs> you know, we go and we watch the same movie as a superhero movie 27 million times, <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're just going to be like, oh, I get to see Mbappe versus Neymar version 27 you know, it's, it's Ariaga, Ariaga two. Maybe they could go with the UFC model and just every match has, it's just like, yeah, PSG, Juve 27. (laughs) And and here's the other thing. We're like, we're the fans, you know, and there's a little bit of, of Western bias. Where's 60% of the world's population? Asia. Yeah. Where is the growth being seen for all of these leagues? Thailand, North Dakota. Yes. 
Indeed. <laughs> Alabama and Chattanooga, one and two. I'm going to say North Dakota is focused on their meth game right now. They're more worried about their meth game than they are the growing sport. They're, I'm sorry. The whole of the American South is more focused on denying black people the right to vote than the Premier League. Um, but really, when, when you look at it from that perspective, and then what are they competing against? The Premier League or, or you know, the ESL or whatever you're talking about, they're not competing against, you know, other teams at this point, right? They're viewing it as this industry. Uh, yeah, Twitch. Minecraft. Yep. Uh, the NBA is huge yeah. in Asia, you know. But again, this is the stuff I don't want anyone to tell me. Well, exactly. And that's, <laughs> well, here's that's what I would really say. The anger is about, like, we all live with this, like, the lies that we tell ourselves about the sports. I mean, you know, Ajax, right? We can make a real case for what a great developmental model Ajax has and all this. Uh, I mean, do you know, do you notice how many of their players come from Africa and how much exploitation get goes into just them getting those players to, to Africa? And do you think they're paying, you know, signing on fees to local communities there. No. That's what I was going to say. Here's where my big thing is. You're pretty much with America, because I've seen a lot of people say, well, if people just support their local club, then, you know, we wouldn't be in this mess over in Europe. And it's like, no, you'd still be in this mess because you're what they're trying to do in Europe is pretty much the shitty version of how it's working in America. That's what they're trying to do. And the problem with that is, there's so many layers of problems in the United States. And despite what some people in certain cities and certain fan bases and certain beliefs, their thought is an open system is going to fix a lot of the issues where it's like, no, because we've seen now those open systems in on the other side of the ocean are starting to realize we can't generate as much money as we can. So we have to adopt this system, which has been in place in America. And every league, every professional league has that situation, whether it's MLS, whether it's NISA, whether it's USL, everyone is contributing to the same type of model that's being shown in Europe. The difference is we've been accustomed to it. We that's been created. That's just a standard in American sports. As Dan says, we don't like saying the loud parts out loud. That's just the standard. We're used to that. That's not, it's, it sucks. We don't love it, but we're just used to it. While over in Europe, it's like, that's not what it was. It's always been open. It's always been, you know, you do this for your supporters. You do this for the love of the game. And as we've seen in the last decades, as there's been more and more money getting put in, people are going to want, the owners are going to want to make more and more money. And kind of like what you said, they're doing it because they've hit their ceiling until a ma- another massive TV deal comes in. That's really the only thing that's going to change it is if these TV deals start paying a lot more. And that's what that's why the Super League's thinking they're going to be able to bank on is we have Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Liverpool, and Manchester United, and Juventus. We have these clubs that have so much international outreach that other markets are going to want to pay top dollar to watch them compete. Yeah, and until that, and that could easily happen in North America if there was any consistency with how it was broadcasted instead of having ESPN and Fox shit the bet on it constantly. I mean, we're looking at CBS with the NWSL actually putting money into it. See, like NWSL is going to start growing because CBS has this. It's pretty simple. You go on Paramount plus you go on CBS sports network. That's how you watch. It's simple. It's there. It's growing. 
MLS, you go to Fox, you go to ESPN, you go to your local. We don't know. USL, you go to ESPN Plus. DC, you go to BN. Like everyone's, depending on all these TV deals, it's going to affect how things move are moving forward. And everyone, whether they want to admit it or not, whether they are on the pro realm for America, whether they are thinking their club and MLS is the worst thing in the world, you're still contributing to it by supporting a team in these closed systems. And I think we all agree we want our teams to actually be a change for good, but just the system that they're in, that it's a game you have to play at the current moment. And until U.S. Soccer Federation or FIFA comes in and says you need to change the shit, not much more you we can really do. Well, and there are a couple of things I think in in what you bring up. Um, I think all of us, you know, like the idea of pro rel in the United States. The 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 push from a lot of people is they view it as some sort of you know magic bullet, right? As you and and Yogi from uh, you know the River City pro rel is going to save the hood, right? It's not that save the hood. <laughs> it's not going to save the hood. Yeah, uh, sarcastically, right? Somebody you know, uh, or somebody, you know, oh, it's going to help inner cities. It's pro rel is not going to solve the problem. The reason why uh, that, you know, we have the system, soccer did not make any money in the United States and was a notorious, you know, we had in NASL a huge league in the 1970s that went belly up because basically the Barcelona's and Real Madrid's of the league spent wildly. And Barcelona and Real Madrid for a long time had what we'll call friendly governments to help them out of their spending issues um, with deals that help them resolve some of their debts. And now they've just got, you know, with, with uh, you know, the, the sort of crisis and in, in um, you know, the pandemic and loss of revenues, re- really, you know, what's happening is Barcelona and Real Madrid are in a position where they have to, and Juventus and, and these teams are, are selling out because they need the money because they've overspent wildly. PSG, I don't know why. I'm shocked that... Oh, that one is very straightforward and easy because if PSG goes into this, then FIFA's going to say, okay, we're going to not allow this World Cup to happen or we're going to... These players that you bank on showing up at the World Cup aren't showing up and it's in Qatar, which owns PSG. This is this is my other. This was I, I think guys. What did I say to you guys in that text? Like, basically, fuck everybody. The owners, FIFA, FA, U, UEFA. Yeah. Like, well, and here's the other like, thing. Here's the other thing. It was really there, hard to like, find. It was really hard to find a side in this. Uh, there, there is no good side. There's um, the Bund- and, the Bundesliga is probably the only one that's sitting there. Like, see, this is why we have the ownership shit that we do, so we don't have to. But you know, the Bundesliga. Who's won the title yeah. the past 10 okay, years? But that, but, again, Keith, you're taking us in other directions. But you, that is because, the of, one the, oh, that's but like, because of the media you know, contract. Like, that's not because teams can't compete. That's just because the media contract funnels most of the money to Bayern and everyone else gets. It's kind but, of the same thing. But what, what I'm saying is like this ESL, this European Super League, is something that's just merely consolidating a trend that we all know. Yeah. Like that's always that's already been there. That's been there for 15 or 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, but like I mean, you Lester, can look at you can look at the. But Leicester won the title. Hoffenheim won. Didn't Hoffenheim win? Or uh, Wolfsburg won a title. Wolfsburg has won a title. Um, yeah, like what in 1992? No, Wolfsburg won it in 2010. 2011. Example: Schalke. Schalke was a consistent Champions League team, 
And then they were broke. They are broken. They're getting, and they're relegated. Like Keith, that, I love that Keith doesn't believe me that Wolfsburg has won a title in the, in recent history. Anyway, if you want Bundesliga stuff, check out Jake Payne's show, 50 plus well, more, 12 years ago, 2008, 2009. Right. But I'm just saying like, it is possible. Like, and that's <laughs> yes. what, and that's what we, that's why people are still interested. It's possible that I could get a date. <laughs> I wouldn't put money on it. So here's the thing. Here's my last comment. What I think will be really interesting about this, because like, you know, you could, you, you get into all this stuff, right? About like fan owned clubs and like Barcelona and Real with their socios and, you know, they vote on everything. My understanding is they would need to vote for this. Um, and it will be really interesting to see where their club, where those supporters land on this. It, um, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, because the way those clubs are structured, they have so much power consolidated yeah. in the p- position. Sure, of the sure, but uh, it'll be. Uh, but it, to see what the rank and file think about this um, will be will be interesting. Because you know, obviously, we don't have that in England, and you don't have that really anywhere outside of Spain and and Germany. Um, but uh, I'll be, I'll be. I think that'll be a really interesting litmus test to see if these clubs are like, well, if it means saving my club, or if they're so broke, we got to go into this league. We'll vote for it. But um, and again, I, I still think this is. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I think this is less than fifty fifty. I think this is, this was a very strong shot across the bow to somehow extract more money and more stability out of the Champions League for these clubs. Yeah. Uh, oh, I absolutely. Thought about, I thought that, but the more I'm sitting here thinking and the more I'm looking at yeah. just the general, how things have accelerated, I think they've had this plan and they needed some viable reason. And they're using COVID and finances as the re like, I think it's been something that they have secretly wanted and they just needed. Not and- so secretly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, mean, you know, Liverpool yeah. and Manchester United had their project big picture whole thing. Yeah. But what yeah, I'm saying yeah. is like, They've waited for a viable excuse to execute it and be able to say COVID put us all in shambles <laughs> yeah. financially. Which I think they misunderstood that. that opportunity. <laughs> oh, they misunderstood it because Chelsea still spent $250 million on player transfers. And it's like, you're, you just told us you're broke. Where did this come from? But that's pretty much how I think. I think it's yeah. still going to be a thing. I think it's going to take all a mass exodus of players for it to not happen and that won't happen because they'll get paid more at those clubs yeah no i mean and and what do people ultimately want to watch they want to watch the blockbusters you know you know for a segment of us of people will be like well this is more pure you know and don't forget you know we're all we're, we're all fans of a club liverpool that was a lead member of the premier league which was designed to do this yeah <laughs> Exactly this, right? To to put less money down the pyramid and more money into their, you know, their club's pockets and more television revenue. Here's the other thing that amazes me in some sense. Do you know what the TV rights are for, for the, you know, for the Champions League and Europa League? They only come in at like three or three and a half billion dollars. And so part of this too, to my mind, is you have these incredibly successful business people who look at UEFA which is a stumbling bumblefuck of corruption and incompetence. Yep. And they go, why are we letting this, these idiots control this, which is our number one revenue maker? 
yeah. right? And we're we're paying out money on, you know, why are we looping the Europa League contract and the Champions League contract together? Why aren't we doing more to maximize Champions League? Why aren't we because like UEFA is, you know, unbelievably incompetent. It's like, you know, the mayor of Detroit has gone, you know, the, the governor of Illinois has gone to prison 12 times. I feel like, you know, the last 12 governors or whatever, same thing is UEFA. And so I think part of it is these clubs are looking at it and it's like, our finances are in a shambles right now. We're losing money. Yes. Chelsea, you know, Roman Abramovich is still spending money, but Barca and Real are, and Juve are in real trouble. And, you know, yeah, you can say, well, you know, I mean, Stan Kroenke's model is I'd like a med- to run a mediocre team and continue to coast. And if I get lucky, we move up in the world and, and not like Kroenke. This is saving. I mean, if, if you want to get angry at any, any club, get angry at Arsenal because they have not done anything to save their bet, you know, to make themselves competitive in any meaningful way since Wenger left. And that's Cranky's model. Like look at every club he owns, they're mediocre and yet he rakes in money off of them. So like, you know, who's the villain Stan Cranky. That's, well, that's the lesson. I will, I'll put one last thing for those fans of other clubs that are trying to take a moral high ground like the Everton's, the West Ham's, the Aston Villas. This could easily have been you guys if you were just competent in the last two decades. Like if they were, if Everton and Aston Villa, West Ham were just competent and competitive and constantly at Champions League, they would be in the exact same spot and probably at the expense of Spurs. Like it would probably be at the expense of that. And so you can't really say and take this moral high ground. And in terms of Ford Madison, USL League One, this is the, like I said, what they're trying to do in Europe it's being done in America in a much shittier, less competent and more blatant way that I think everyone needs to recognize and acknowledge that everyone that is a fan of a professional team in the United States is contributing to that same thing. There's, there's no moral high ground is what I'm going to tell you here. Right. Like if you're, if you're standing here and you're like, Whoa, look at, look at our, you know, you know, I look at like, I saw Rio Ferdinand made some sort of comment, you know, about it. Oh, this is destroying the game. And he said something like, well, if, you know, the fans of Newcastle United don't like Mike Ashley, they can go and start their own club at some point. Like, no, he said buy it. Yeah, he said buy it, okay. which I don't know where you're getting the money for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but th- there's no moral high ground. And I would also say, there's no moral high ground in, in us soccer. If you're like, well, we just need pro rel or everybody should adopt our, our model, you know, as you call them, great value Millwall or, or whomever there, there's no, we're, we're stuck in the system. And the, the lesson for league one clubs, I mean, forward Madison, you know, we cannot sit on our high, high horse about the growing commercialization Uh, of the sport when forward Madison, I think every year at the end of the season sells everything that's not tied down in a yard sale. (laughs) And even, I think if you made an offer, they would sell some shit that was tied down. (laughs) They would put it into the back of your truck for you. So like, I love our club. Don't get me wrong. I think we do, you know, and, and I think 
we, we have our hearts in, in the right place in a lot of ways. And we do a lot, you know, we try to do a lot of good for the community, but I mean, if you showed up and you offered to buy the forward Madison scoreboard, we'd be like, can we rent you the U-Haul? You know? So like, don't let's not use all of this to stand on our high horse would be my, my kind of lesson, you know, to, to going back to my original comment, I feel worse now than I did at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Isn't that how every conversation with me? I'm going to go have a drink. <laughs> yes. That, that, and, uh, you know, <laughs> because as we, we, we compared me to the guy that, uh, um, uh, uh, so what are we going to be drinking May 1st? And Dan, are we allowed, by the way, that's, that's why I'm a professional. I tied it all together. Um, are we going to be allowed to be drinking because we may be involved in a we're involved in a top secret project involving the, 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 the match May 1st at Bree Stevens. Kyle very smartly roped in his family to stay out of the top secret, uh, projects. Um, always good to say this is, I, I, I have a family to work with. I got, I got to make sure they're taken care of first and no one can doubt you when you say, my yep. family obligation. Keith, the family. Keith, let me say this without giving anything away. Uh, I, I, <clears throat> I believe in the Harry Carey rule that drinking while working is totally fine. Excellent. Excellent. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to sports, not, well, not, in, my, not in my regular job. <laughs> I mean, I could probably do it. No, uh, at your regular That's job, nice. you're, you're doing acid. Uh, <laughs> Only on bicycle day. <laughs> Only on bicycle day. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> No, I, 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 which I keep forgetting which day it is. So I just like, you know, I, I remember as well, Harry Carey always viewed his role as a spokesman first for, I think the Anheuser-Busch company <laughs> when he worked in St. Louis and then for old stock when he worked for the Chicago Cubs, I think we're going to be promoting. And I'm just trying to remember the name. Uh, is it soul of the big beer? That's the cheapest. I believe yep. that's the, the big yep. beer. That's the cheapest. That's going to be my first one. Okay. Uh, first. I'm probably going to get a Modelo just like I always did in 2019. Like is, there a, is there a flock beer this year? I think they're going to have the Eruption Pale Ale with Vintage similar to last. I think it's going to be the same one as last year. That, that seems fair since it didn't really get to be drank yeah. last year. Oh, <laughs> it got drank. I made sure. I had growlers in my <laughs> kitchen to prove it. So until next time, I say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. And here I thought, I was like, I'm not going to talk about it. No, of course not. I've already. No, and and we, we really did our best to try to keep it away from, but I think, you know, we all needed to vent. We just did our longest podcast. And I think we talked about you. I think we talked about Fort Madison for about nine and a half minutes. Seems on not our long. This is not our longest podcast, Dan. Okay. It's, it seemed long. <laughs> I was going to say, it still seems on brand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, our brand is, you think we have a topic? Um, 